Welcome to Becoming Unique, an informative lifestyle podcast where I share parts of my life which could be informative to you. Welcome to episode 14. Hey, (laughs) y'all. First, I would like to start this episode off with a huge thank you. I have two thank yous. My first thank you is to you for showing up. Thank you for being here with me and being a part of this journey that I am on. Thank you. And my second thank you is to everyone out there that has left these beautiful reviews and these five-star ratings. I truly appreciate it. Every single single review out there just like is simply warming my heart and I am so grateful for the positive words and feedback on the show that I have been getting. Thank you, thank you. And if you have not yet left a review on the Become a Unique podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you took a few moments and did that. But thank you. <laughs> Let me move on into today's show now after I just gave my thank yous out. And I I just have to always keep saying I am so grateful for you guys. But let me move on and let's get into today's show. Question. When was the last time you looked at a plant? Or let's go deeper. When was the last time you thought about the meaning of a plant? Like I said in my Moon podcast, I believe everything made through God has a purpose. In our Western culture, many of us have gotten so wrapped up wanting what the man-made world is telling us we must have. But what about stepping back for a minute and seeing what was already here thriving before mankind and still here? In my Moon podcast, I stated that I believe Things made through God, Allah, a higher power, whomever you call up to, all has purpose. In my moon podcast, I learned to understand the lunar cycle. So I can now understand how to use the moon with purpose. So I have a story for you guys. So the new lunar cycle started the other night. We had our new moon. I wrote down my intentions, which I will not share just yet. I wrote them down. I did not speak them or put them in my phone. So my phone had no idea what my intentions were. Because you know our phones be like listening to us. (laughs) I went to sleep. And when I woke up, within two minutes of me holding my phone, I got a YouTube notification. Like, I never get YouTube notifications, but today I got one. And the notification was on the very topic of my intention. So the intention that I wrote down, the YouTube video was on that subject. And I was like, oh, and I saw what it said. So I clicked onto the video. And when I got to the video, I saw that the video was six days old. So I was like, OMG, the moon is really working with me to make sure the intentions that I wrote down come to light. I say this story because now that I understand the lunar cycle, now I understand how to make the moon purposeful. 
So today we are going to open up the door to herbalism and start to learn the purpose behind plants. So let's get started and see what this episode is all about. Let's go. Okay, I know you guys are ready to get started, but I need to just pause for a moment to give you guys a quick disclaimer. The information shared in today's episode is for educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. So we're about to get started, but one more quick note. Get a pen and a paper because there's a lot of note taking in this today's episode. So I suggest you get a pen and the paper, but you can go ahead and listen to this episode a couple of times if you want to keep hearing the information. But get a pen and the paper and let's get going. Today on the Becoming Unique podcast, I have an amazing guest by the name of Christine Buckley. Welcome. Thanks, Unique. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yes, and I'm so happy to have you here. As we get into today's topic of herbalism, please tell the audience who Christine Buckley is. Well, um, I'm a community herbalist based in Virginia. I live in rural Virginia. I'm the author of Plant Magic, Herbalism in Real Life, which came out this March, just as we all went into lockdown. Um, Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Um, And I've worked professionally as a cook. And right now I'm working on on an organic vegetable farm, um, learning how to grow food in the organic food system. Amazing. I love it. I feel like I wish I could work on an organic vegetable farm in the city, but I think that's almost impossible. There are, (laughs) there are people growing organic food in the city. Um, I think I can't remember. There's someone growing on a roof. I feel like in Queens and Brooklyn, and there's people growing in all kinds of schoolyards. Um, you can, and you're in Harlem, right? You need, yeah. Yeah. There's got to be someone like people have been growing food in New York City so intelligently for so long to feed their communities. I feel like you can. I don't think. Okay. Dream. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing because now that you now that we're talking about it, now I'm going to have to use Google and make it work. I just assume like, oh, we're in the city. There's no fresh food around me. Um, But I should. I assume wrong. So I'm definitely going to have to look into this after this podcast. I will. You know, I guess there's probably going to be a podcast about me um, farming in the city soon. (laughs) Oh my god, that would be a great podcast. (laughs) Because you know, I honestly really didn't think about it until you said there's places in the city, and I'm like, oh, okay. Now I need to look. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, for like. El Puente is an old community community garden in Williamsburg um, that I know of. And like some of my, when I lived in Brooklyn, some of my favorite places to visit and walk by were community gardens. Um, you you know, know, I have seen small gardens, but you know, I don't think things clicked. Um, yeah. You know, and now, but now that I'm opening this new door for myself, now things are going to start clicking. And thank you for sharing because I definitely will be doing my research to find a place where I can like at least volunteer once a week and start to learn a little bit. Oh Um, yeah. It'll feel so good to get your hands dirty and stuff. Yeah. I so want to. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So Christine, 
tell me what is herbalism? Yeah, so the defin- the definition that I like to use for herbalism is a system of care shaped by our needs and fulfilled by the land. Um, herbalism is a way in which we can think holistically about our health and then share what we learn with each other to help encourage care among um, the people we love and the communities we live in and to promote better, fuller relationships between humans and the natural world. I love that. It, you said shaped by our needs and filled by the land? Yes. I love that. I yeah. love that um, because it's like our body calls for what it needs and it's here in the land and we can find it within the, and within earth. Like, I love that. I yeah, love totally. That. I Yeah, it's like, I think, you know, each person is going to need different things mm-hmm. and each person can be confident that what they need can be provided for and that what they need is their right to have access to. Um, So I feel like herbalism is a very empowering practice for individuals and for communities. And I also like that you said each person will need different things because I think sometimes in life, um, a lot of people think it's a one-stop fix. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we need to explore to find out what's going to be the fix for us and whatever needs we're looking for in life, not just with herbalism, with everything. Um, And we have to remember if something that is being said to fix, this is the one cure to whatever you're suffering from and it doesn't work. We can't just throw in the towel. We have to keep seeking until we find what's going to be the right match for us. So I like that you said that, you know, it's, it's individual. So totally. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. So can you list the different ways we can introduce herbalism into our lives? Yeah. Um, I think a great place to start is to just to begin to pay better attention to ourselves and the world around us. Um, I think in order to do herbalism, we have to practice observation so that we can kind of tell what's going on, what might need to shift what things in our lives we can support better and keep around. Um, so I think a great place to start is just to pay a little bit closer attention to ourselves and our, and our world. Um, and then there are ways in which we can integrate practices of connection with plants. So, you know, like being outside, no matter where we are, whether we live in the middle of the city or with 9 million other people, or- <laughs> or we live in the country where there aren't so many people around, um, there are plants all around us no matter where we are. So, you know, we can go for walks, we can meditate next to a plant, we can get a field guide and investigate plants, um, you know, look look closer at them, like literally just look look at them closer. Yeah. Um, and then, And then there are ways that we can bring plants into our bodies So we can drink teas, we can make tinctures, we can make syrups and glycerins and decoctions and broths um, and food that's enriched with wild plants or medicinal plants. And we can also put plants on our bodies. We can make, um, you know, diluted vinegar sprays to cool a burn. We can apply salves and ointments and lotions and... um, witch hazel uh you know sprays so Mm -hmm. yeah 
Oh, wow. Toners. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. I like your your whole answer, but I like that you started off with observation Um, because I think that's what a lot of us may be missing. I'm not going to speak for everyone. I think something happens to us and we just want to get the answer to fix it and not figure out why is this happening. Observation gets to the root so we can try to figure out what's triggering whatever the situation is. So I absolutely love that you mentioned observation because I think a lot of us, you know, we forget about the whole observation and we're looking straight for the one or cure. Just give it to me. I have a headache. Give me something to fix it. Why do you have a headache? Right. Totally. You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you did mention a couple of things that may not be as familiar to, um, all of us. Mm -hmm. Like we, we, most of us know about tea. Um, we know Lipton tea. (laughs) Yeah. um, Lipton tea, a sweet tea in the summer is great medicine. Yes. (laughs) But you mentioned tinctures. Tinctures. Yeah. I said it right. What is tinctures? What is it made of? Like, School us, because this is something, this is new vocabulary for um, me and maybe some of us listening. Sure. Um, So a tincture is an extraction of a plant and usually an an alcohol. So when we're making tinctures at home, it might be something like brandy or vodka. Mm -hmm. Um, But a tincture that lots of people might have in their homes, but they don't know is a tincture, and it's actually a medicinal tincture, is vanilla extract. Yes. Yeah, not vanilla flavoring. That would be different. But vanilla extract is made from putting, chopping up a vanilla bean into very tiny parts, putting it in a bottle, covering it with alcohol, and then waiting until Mm -hmm. everything from the vanilla bean is absorbed into the vanilla extract. And so traditionally, we use vanilla extract in baking or, you know, flavoring for an ice cream or whipped cream or whatever it yeah cakes and um, stuff. Yeah. yeah cakes and cupcakes and all that type of stuff but yeah, yeah. all that delicious stuff mm-hmm. um which i think sometimes is medicine and but also vanilla in itself is a medicine it is very uplifting um it's it promotes joy in us to take it so so you can tincture lots of plants um you can extract lots of plants into an alcohol and usually that is um, with aerial parts of the plant, so like flowers and leaves, because um, mm-hmm. most roots sometimes require that we boil them and then yeah. add alcohol to them to preserve it. But the great thing about a tincture is that it's a medicine you can take with you anywhere, um, and you can tincture lots of different plants and then put them together in order to make a remedy that's specific to your needs. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and also if, if the plants we want to use for medicine making are like very bitter or acrid or pungent tasting, mm-hmm. then, they, then they get concentrated in the alcohol and then we can add that to water so that it's not so intense when we drink it. Like a tea of a lot of bitter plants would not taste great. And that would mean that you probably wouldn't want to take it. And if you're not going to take the remedy, then it can't do anything for you. So, um, a tincture is a way to make things more palatable and um, more likely that people will take. Okay. So let me just rewind. So we all have an understanding. A tincture, a tincture, sorry, <laughs> is made. <laughs> I know it 
sometimes I have a hard time with words, but tincture is um, made with taking a plant, mixing it with alcohol, such as brandy or um, vodka, mm-hmm. and letting it sit for a long period of time. A long period would be what, six months or six weeks? Yeah, four to six weeks. Um, you let it sit. It's usually a two to one of liquid to fresh plants mm-hmm. or a five to one of liquid to dry plants. Um, and you combine that in a jar, you let it sit out of direct light and out of heat for four to six weeks, and then you strain it and the, the alcohol left over without the plant material in it is your tincture. Okay. Okay. So this is good to know. So when we're buying vanilla extract in the supermarket is basically made with alcohol, the yeah, real vanilla extract, not, not the vanilla flavoring. Yeah. So, um, okay. 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 So I, I'm, I'm getting schooled <laughs> in processing it at the same time. Yeah. So when we take a tincture as medicine, um, and you can get them from different herbal stores, I'm assuming, or the health food store. Uh huh. Um, how much how much dosage do we take? Um, it depends on the plant, and it mm-hmm. depends on what you're taking it for. Um, but usually, you take a dropper a few times a day. Okay. Um, to keep the plants in your system, so you would take it usually with meals, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay, so now, how since it's made of alcohol, will we give it to children? Is it okay to give to children or people that are concerned about having alcohol in their body? It, I'm, it, I'm assuming since you said it's a dropper, small doses, so I'm assuming it's not enough to get you drunk or something. But what's the protocol with children and people that staying away from alcohol? With yeah, tincture. That's a great question because lots of people aren't prefer not to take alcohol or have an allergy um, or are, you know, recovering. So there are other ways to extract plants and we do it most often in vegetable glycerin or apple cider vinegar. And Mm -hmm. those two preparations are safe for people who are avoiding alcohol and also for children and the elderly. Um, Usually we don't give alcohol tinctures to kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with the so the, with with the tinctures that are made with alcohol, do they have an expiration date, or because it's an alcohol, it doesn't expire? They basically last forever. Um, okay. So long as yeah, you don't want to store tinctures for a long time in the dropper bottle. It's better to store them in a jar, just because the alcohol will erode the rubber dropper cap. Okay. Um, but if you keep them in a jar with a tight fitting lid, you should have them for a while. Okay. So yeah. now with the vegetable glycerin and apple cider vinegar, will that last forever or is there like an expiration date on those? Um, I'm not sure exactly when the expiration date would be for glycerin. Um, mm-hmm. But usually the, the glycerins and the apple cider vinegars last for a while. Um, not quite, not quite as long as an alcohol tincture. Like I'm inclined to be like, you can have an alcohol tincture around forever. Yeah. Um, I would use apple cider vinegar glycerin within six months. Okay. And should we store it in the refrigerator or do we keep it out? You can keep it out. 
they all can be, they're all fine at room temperature. It's different for things like a syrup and stuff like that, but glycerins, apple cider vinegar, extractions, and alcohol tinctures can be left out at room temperature. Okay, so um, if a person now, they're like addicted to tinctures, they're like, oh, I'm putting these um, plants in my body every day. Does their body get immune to it after a while? Because you know, sometimes when you start just like, infusing your body with something your body sometimes says okay I'm immune to it do you know if your body gets immune to tinctures yeah so the thing that happens is that usually for well for all of us we'll start to take a remedy and then that remedy will work and so it won't be needed anymore. And then it's time to shift to different remedies. So it's not so much that you get immune to it and that it stops working. It's more likely that it does what it's supposed to do. And then it's time to shift the medicine because your body's always changing. The environment's always changing. We're going to need different things at different times, like Mm -hmm. different times of year, different phases of our lives. Um, You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So that's the cool thing about herbalism is that it, it shifts and adapts with you. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why I like to say to people, if you're making tinctures at home, um, it's always great to just tincture singular plants. So you can kind of get a good understanding of what that plant feels like in your body and then to not make too much of it. Um, You know, it's adequate to make of something um, so that you can try it out and so that you're not just like sitting yeah. on, you know, eight <laughs> ounces of tincture. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So, so yeah. now if a person is like, this sounds like too much, I am not making no tincture at home. Where can they go buy it? Yeah, there are herbalists making tinctures all over the internet. Um, also they're generally sold at like your local food co-op. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll have them at the Park Slope Food Co-op, at um, the Flatbush Food Co-op. Uh, there are apothecaries in New York, um, Karen Rose at Sacred Vibes in Flatbush and Dittmas Park makes and sells tinctures. Um, there's Flower Power in the East Village. Mm-hmm. There's Radical herb, herb Shop. So you're looking for apothecaries that are run by herbalists, yes. um, natural food stores, and also a big chain store like Whole Foods will sell commercially made tinctures like from Herb Farm is a great resource for buying tinctures from a, a larger company. That's um, Herb Farm and Farm is spelled P-H-A-R-M. And I think they're based in Ohio, um, but they grow and tincture their plants and they're a great, reliable, larger company to buy. Oh, from. wow. OK, this has been very informative. I'm v- I feel like we're just getting started. Ooh, I'm learning so much. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay, so when I was at the farmer's market the other week, I bought something called bitters. Can you school yeah. me a little bit more on bitters? Like, what what are bitters? Let everyone else know. I'm, I'm starting to get an idea of what bitters are, but could you tell everyone what bitters are? Yeah. So bitters are, people might refer to to bitters as the medicine, which is a formulation of bitter flavored plants and why they're valuable to us and why they make a difference in our lives is they assist in the process of digestion Mm -hmm. and assist with gastrointestinal imbalance or upset or disturbance. So, um, 
plants are bitter themselves. And then bitters is a reference to a tincture of a collection of bitter plants specially made for a person with gastrointestinal issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, I mean, most of us have experienced some kind of gastrointestinal upset, whether it's like mild or more mm-hmm. severe, pretty much every day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. Um, the world is a very stressful place and our gastrointestinal system, our digestive system is linked into every other part of our body. It communicates with the central nervous system. So it's very sensitive and it has the ability to make decisions and also react to decisions that other control centers in our body is making. So it's really, um, it's really absorbing a lot of information and processing a lot of information a lot of times. So taking a bitters before we eat can help our digestive system so that it's not working so hard. Um, Because at this point in our lives in the United States, things are very stressful, especially for certain communities. Mm -hmm. So as much support as we can get is going to make a huge difference in how we feel. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I also saw like a YouTube video um, where they were saying that bitters, um, because it's so bitter and our, our taste palate is so used to sweet taste all the time. Uh-huh. Um, it's yeah. getting our saliva and like our juices flowing. This is why we have to take it like 15 minutes before a meal because it's getting the saliva totally. and juices form and when the saliva starts getting activated, it starts the digestion digestion system like going and, and starting to activate and work. Um, so that's like enough. Uh, I miss, I hope this video was correct. Cause you know, everything on the internet's not always <laughs> um, accurate, right. but I'm, um, this was the information that I received from it. It's like getting the juices flowing before you actually start eating your, um, your meal as well. So, yeah, totally. The digestive process is, you know, it's, it requires a lot of energy and there's a lot of organs involved. So when you take bitters, like you said, 15, 30 minutes before your meal, it signals to your digestive system. Okay, wake up, get ready, start producing the enzymes, start salivating because food's coming in. And digestion begins in our mouth with chewing and breaking down the food with saliva. And then a cascade of events happen that lead to, you know, extracting nutrients and creating waste and getting rid of waste. But um, yeah, bitters basically cue your digestive system to get ready for what's coming. And, you know, that's Mm -hmm. at least hopefully three or more times a day. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So now I didn't look at the, well, I didn't look and check to see if my bitters was made of alcohol, but I definitely can taste the alcohol content. Um, do mm-hmm. they also make bitters without alcohol? Um, do you know? I, I have seen bitter formulas made in apple cider vinegar, but I haven't seen them in um, a glycerin form, okay. but I just may not have been looking. Um, you can definitely make a bitters with apple cider vinegar. So you could do the same extraction of plants in an apple cider vinegar as you would in alcohol. And just similarly, take it before a meal. I like to suggest that people take their bitters in a little bit of water because it is quite intense tasting. Like you said, we don't have a lot of practice to eating bitter Mm -hmm. things. Um, 
So even that is important practice for us to stay with bitter taste, stay with bitter feelings, um, learn how to build up a little bit of resilience is really good for us beyond just the digestive benefits. And now when I purchased my business from the farmer's market, they didn't make a saying like, oh, this includes alcohol. And it doesn't say Mm -hmm. on the front of it, including alcohol. Um, So I think it's probably common knowledge for people that's in the herbalism world. They know it's made of alcohol. But if someone new is purchasing bitters and they want to try it out and they're like trying to stay away from alcohol, I guess we should inform them that bitters do are made with usually made with alcohol um, as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, a good point. Because um, mm-hmm. I think it, it seems like, you know, because no one said, hey, you know, this is made of alcohol because we'll buy if I have a thing with alcohol. Um, but now I'm learning that bitters are made with alcohol and that if you're purchasing something and you're watching your alcohol intake, you need to communicate with the person that you're purchasing from to see what's going on with the ingredients. So I just totally yeah. Always good to ask questions. I know that's hard to do sometimes, like especially when we feel like beginners, but um, you herbalists should be ready and willing to answer questions. And if they seem annoyed with your questions, then they're probably shouldn't waste your time. Well, you know, I bought the bitters from the farmer's market and, you know, the popular one, the Union Square. And um, it was it was kind of it wasn't crazy busy, but the one person that was taking care of everybody, she was taking, she was trying to assist five people at the same time and answer their questions. And I, yeah, it's so hard. It is. And I was trying to like, I didn't, and I I was just trying to be like, Oh, you know, I didn't want to ask any questions, which I should have, but I just didn't want to feel like I was inconveniencing and, you know, and taking away from the other people that's waiting. So I didn't ask questions. And I know I'm not the only one like this. I know a lot, lot of us are like this as well, too. So, um, yeah, just remember. Yeah, totally. When I first started out, I felt really embarrassed about how little mm-hmm. I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, you know, as I'm a, I'm a professional cook and an herbalist and, um, you know, I know a lot about these things because I've studied and practiced them for 15 years or more. Um, and I was also a beginner once. And so I think that's important for everyone's really like gentle with themselves and gives themselves enough space and also can hopefully remember that, like they matter just as much as anyone else who has a curiosity in this stuff. So people at people who are selling, like to your listeners who are like, I want to go find out about herbalism and I want to go to the farmer's market. Like you're so smart, unique for going there. That's such a great place to go because the herbalists who are there really want to bring their medicine to the people. Yeah. And so, you know, um, it might mean that we have to like wait in line or wait a little bit longer, but uh, I have generally felt like anytime I interact with a farmer or an herbalist at the farmer's market that they want to, they want to be telling me about what they're doing. Um, and if they're anything like me, I am most excited about people who are at the beginning of their herbalism journey. Um, so I think it's really important for everyone to know that you do not have to be an expert in order to get started with herbalism. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. be open to asking questions. I, I allow my, um, I allow, the herbalist was definitely most likely open to ask questions but I allowed the intimidation of the line behind me to totally and then I didn't want also I didn't want them hearing what I was asking it was my inner stuff that I was dealing with 
that I that I yeah. have to address to be like, you know what I like you said, you know, we have to be gentle with ourselves or, or you know, I need to realize the importance of me and, you know, and just be like, hey, I'm going to ask the questions I need to ask because I need to know. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And also, like, yeah, you bring up a good point that sometimes we have to talk about like sensitive things or things that we're still working to understand ourselves about ourselves and might have, um you know, complicated feelings about them. Like we might feel vulnerable or a little bit ashamed mm-hmm. or like worried. And so we don't have to ask those questions in a public setting. Um, you can always email an herbalist. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a great Yeah, point. because some of it is private. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's okay. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, that's, that's new information. Yeah. I, you know, it's information that of course you you know, but you don't think of. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So next time I can just be like, oh, can you give me your email and then shoot them an email? Oh, perfect. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Just be like, I'm interested in your products, but I'm, I'm dealing with this and this and this. Can you point me in a direction? Um, so then you don't have to have that conversation. Yeah. Standing on the, <laughs> in front of everyone at the farmer's market in union square, which is like all of New York yes. sometimes. <laughs> I get it oh well that was great advice thank you I'm definitely going to use that advice okay so now my next question is um I suffer from bloating so can you suggest different ways I can start to bring herbalism in my life to help me with this situation yeah so one of my favorite things to recommend to people um is to just, you know, start paying a little bit more attention to what you're eating and how it makes you feel afterward Mm -hmm. and really try and do that without any judgment. Like the point is to not be like, I ate Cheetos. I'm really bad. I ate, I ate a peach. I'm really good. Like none of those things are indicators of whether you're a good or bad person, but paying attention to how we feel after we eat them is really helpful and understanding what's going on in our digestive system. Um, And it may be that things that we've read are good for us that, you know, like on the internet, it's like, eat this and you like, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I'm reading this stuff all the time and I'm being like, oh, I should have X, Y, and Z and that'll make me feel better. But then I take X, Y, and Z and I'm like, this is not making me feel better. Um, You know what I mean? So, So it's important to notice how that works for you. And you can do that just by like becoming a little bit more aware of it and mindful of it every day, or you could keep a little journal. Um, So then you have an idea of like what foods make you feel certain ways. um, When, like what times of day when you're eating, sometimes it's like, if, if I eat dinner at 10 o'clock, I feel really sluggish in the morning, Um, whatever, things like that. Like noticing things about what we're eating and then our routines can help inform like where the bloating might be coming from. Cause that's really important to know. Uh, people get bloat for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be that what you're eating is upsetting your stomach. It could be that you're eating um, around you're eating and you're not eating in a way that facilitates like joy and comfort. Like we're eating on the yeah. go or, you know, and there's lots of different reasons why that might happen. Um, sometimes we don't have a choice. And 
then the other thing could be that like we have underlying stress and anxiety in our lives. And so it's not so much that there's something wrong with what we're eating or how we're eating. That's generally never the case. It's not that there's something wrong with us, um, but it's just that there might be something else going on in our lives that we need to pay attention to. So that's where I always say to begin. I, I want to interrupt you because um, I like that you said the part about observation again, and I ate Cheetos, I'm bad, I ate a peach, I'm good, um, because a lot of things that they do say is good for you may not be, and I've been realizing now that I'm starting to eat more whole foods in my life, and you would think, I'm eating uh-huh. whole foods, I'm eating good. No. <laughs> it's like, I right. love cherries. I, you know, I like to taste the cherries because I like bitterness. But at the same time, I realize cherries give me an upset. I feel like after I eat cherries, <laughs> I, my my stomach is. I hear a volcano happening, and oh, like things are happening. Yeah, and I'm realizing that with certain um things that are whole foods, and I'm thinking I'm doing a good job, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my god, I don't feel good. So we need to yeah. be mindful. Don't think just because it's whole foods or it's so called good foods that is good for for you because everybody's an individualist and you need to figure out what's going to work with your body. And then you have to realize, okay, I love the taste of this, but it do, do I like how it reacts to my body uh, as well? Totally. Too. So it's like, you have to play that Do I want to enjoy the taste for five minutes and then have like an upsetting day <laughs> with my body. Yep. Or do I just skip the taste and figure out something else? Totally. Yeah. And sometimes like on the other end, the Cheeto is exactly the right thing to be having, you know, (laughs) the little Debbie's like for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. The little Debbie's like, like whatever it is, whatever you're kind of like, you know, but medicine is lot, can be lots of different things. And so it's important that we give ourselves the space for it, it to be how it needs to be for us. Okay. Um, Oh, you that's, know. that's perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy that you said that. Um, are there any other suggestions that you have to, um, add in with bloating and herb- herbalism? Yeah. So, um, a tea that I love to make that is quite simple, which helps alleviate anxiety and also can help alleviate bloating. I think the two are often related, um, is just a simple combination of chamomile and peppermint. I like chamomile and peppermint because they can be found pretty much anywhere. Um, Like you can buy them at Whole Foods and you can also buy them at the corner store. So I like chamomile and peppermint tea to drink throughout the day. You can also add other gut healing herbs to that blend like plantain and calendula and marshmallow root or licorice. All of these plants are calming to your digestive system and healing to your digestive system. Oh, okay. Um, Oh, that sounds good. Okay. Now, uh, I've never had a chamomile and peppermint tea. Do they usually come as a combination or do you have to buy like two different tea bags and put them both in the um, the hot water? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't think I have seen a chamomile blend, but I, someone might have it, but you can, I would combine. So generally it's great to like make a big batch of tea. So you have it to drink throughout the day. Um, you can keep it in the refrigerator and then just warm it up as you go or drink it cold. Mm -hmm. I really like iced herbal tea this time of year. So 
what I would do is get a quart jar, fill it with four bags of chamomile tea and one bag of peppermint tea, pour water over that, let it cool down to the point where you can at least move it into the refrigerator and then keep it there overnight. Um, that'll bring some of the more bitter healing flavors of the chamomile out, which will be really good for your digestive mm -hmm. system. But if that's too bitter for you to keep it overnight and then drink it, then you could just let it steep for about 10 minutes. Um, and that would also be enough and it wouldn't be quite so bitter, but that's a great tea to drink throughout the day. Okay. I'm glad that you said, did you say three or four, four bags of chamomile to one bag of peppermint? So I'm glad that yeah. So the ratio should be higher on the chamomile. Yes. But if you're just making like a quick cup, if you just want to make a quick, quick cup and you want to do one chamomile bag and one peppermint bag, you totally can. But the peppermint is going to overpower the chamomile. Okay. The chamomile will still be there, but it will mostly taste like peppermint, which is fine. Um, but I like it to taste. I like to be able to taste the chamomile a little bit more. Oh, okay. Okay. But, but yes, yeah, individual. Yeah. So you got to figure out what works for you <laughs> with observation. Yep. Yep. Um, observation is going to be the key for this. Now, are there any tinctures you would suggest for um, bloating? Yeah, a bitters, a bitters formula would be great um, because anything that supports your digestive system and has warming herbs in it, um, usually a bitters blend is a nice combination of, of warming carminative herbs, which help move gas through our system and then with bitter herbs which are generally more cooling mm -hmm. so um bitter formulas are usually a combination of these warming and cooling plants and those are really great to take before meals to assist with bloating oh perfect okay yeah now um what would you suggest for people that suffer from anxiety what how can they bring Ugh. herbalism into their life yeah, anxiety is everywhere, and um, it's no wonder that people are experiencing so much of it these days. But um, similarly to, you know, the diet, the like thinking about how to how to deal with bloat, a way to think about anxiety is to spend some more time outside and just notice that you're part of the world. Mm -hmm. um, I think it makes a big difference to contradict the isolation that a lot of us feel when we're experiencing anxiety, like we're the only ones. And then that can carry with it a lot of shame and embarrassment. But um, just to know that you are part of the world and there are other people who may feel the same way as you. And that if we can figure out ways to be and stay connected, then that will make a big difference for our mind state. Um, and then in terms of plants, I love aromatic plants. So plants like rosemary or lemon balm or lavender that we can grow in our gardens or in our window boxes or buy a plant and keep it in our home um, and kind of like rub the plant with our fingers or crush the plant and hold it up to our noses and smell deeply and breathe slowly. That will really help to disperse some of the negative weighing emotions that have us feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it can be hard to keep plants like rosemary and lavender alive indoors. So it's okay to buy one and it might die on you. Um, and that's just how it's going to go. And you can just buy another one. It doesn't mean you 
doesn't mean you messed up. They just really prefer to be living outside in well-draining soil. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it makes a big difference to have those plants around us, Mm -hmm. not just in our cabinets. You know what I mean? Um, And then there are plants called nervines or nervines, um, depending on what part of the world you come from. And um, they really help to nourish and calm our nervous systems. So these are plants like chamomile, linden, lemon balm, catnip. Um, And one of my favorite plants for nourishing the nervous system is milky oats, which is the green oat tops of the oat plant, Mm -hmm. like, you know, rolled oats, oatmeal. Um, And they are green for like a couple weeks in spring. And when you tincture them fresh, they're really, really nourishing and calming for the nervous system. And um, they're often found in glycerins because they're safe for kids and the elderly. And um, that's something we can have every day. It's kind of food for our nervous system. Milky oats are. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm learning. Okay. I never heard of these nervine plants that I'm going to have to Google after this podcast so I can school my yeah. myself more on this one. So you said we need to keep plants at home, um, like the lavender and the rosemary, the aromatic plants, just to, you know, be able to have that in our presence to inhale and touch and smell. Um, that's an amazing, that's amazing advice. Um, and then now the nervine plants, are we doing the same with that? Just keeping those home just to be a part of our environment or we, we have them in our home so we can make medicine out of them. Yeah, both. So some of them grow really well in like window boxes or as potted plants. Um, like lemon balm and catnip, I've had success growing in containers um, on my fire escape or my balcony or my window when I was living in Brooklyn. Now I grow them in my um, my little garden outside my uh-huh. home. But um, you can grow those plants for sure in your house. And But I also keep them dried in my kitchen cabinet so I can make tea from them whenever I want to. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So this is... Um new information for me and uh, you know we when we in new york city when we go to whole foods they usually have like you know some plants basic very basic plants in there um but like milky oats and lemon balm like where where would you suggest i get them from or do you think i should just like order online or should i just find like a um a garden center within my area do you think they would have those yeah so um, so milky oats, you probably are not going to grow at home, but things like lemon balm and catnip, you could find at a garden center, either a small local one or something like Home Depot or Lowe's. Okay. Their nurseries will have them. And then you can buy lemon balm and dried catnip from an apothecary like Flower Power or Sacred Vibes. Um, and you can also order dried plants online from places like mountain rose herbs or star west botanicals or frontier um those are all great places to buy bulk dried herbs from i think they sell in Mm -hmm. like four ounce to one pound packages maybe even more than one pound um which would be a lot of plant but 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. So these same plants that we're using in our environment, we would basically make teas out of as well to help with anxieties. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Now, would there be a tincture as well to use for anxiety? Yeah. Um, there are lots of great, there are lots of great herbalists who are making wonderful tinctures for people, um, with anxiety. One, one, um, what is the name of their company? Oh yeah. It's Ms. T Botanica makes a lot of really beautiful tinctures. Um, they're on Etsy mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you can also get herb farm and David Winston's herbalists and alchemists make very good tinctures. I think there's an anxiety compound and Karen Rose with sacred vibes in Brooklyn, um, makes tinctures that you could use for anxiety. Okay. And so it's just, we just put it in our mouth a couple of times a day just to kind of work through the anxiety. Now, do tinctures work fast or it's just something you have to constantly do before you see the results? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, usually when we start taking teas every day or tinctures every day, we should expect that it will take a little bit of time for the cumulative effects to show up. So usually within a month, you'll start to notice change. Um, sometimes I think you will still notice things immediately because the act of caring for yourself makes a big difference, right? Yes. Um, but physiologically, usually it can take a little bit of time. So we do have to be patient when we're working for herbs. They don't work quite the same as over-the-counter or pharmaceutical drugs because um, they're powerful plants, but they're just not as intense yeah. as, you know, a um, chemically made medicine. So, yeah, we do have to we do have to wait a little bit. Yeah, it has to be start to become lifestyle. It's not a yeah, quick fix. Totally. Herbalism needs to be lifestyle for you to see and feel the benefits, I'm assuming. Um, Okay. 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 So this is, oh, this is so much good information. Now you said a lot of names that may not be so familiar to everyone because some of them are not familiar to me. Um, Uh (laughs) Is there a website or a book that you can suggest to tell us about the different teas or tinctures and what we can use for different issues? Because we discussed bloating, we discussed anxiety, but people could be having other issues that they're dealing with and they want to say, okay, I want to go in the herbal way. You know, is there a good resource guide for us to start to like, you know, navigate this herbalism compared to ourselves? I mean, with ourselves. Yeah. Um, so there's my book, um, plant magic herbalism yes. in real life. There's, um, Michelle Lee has a great book called working the roots over 400 years of traditional African American healing. That's really phenomenal. Um, there is Rosemary Gladstar's beginner herbalism books are very helpful. Okay. Um, let's see. There's one, there's one that's just called Medicinal Herbs, A Beginner's Guide. Um, let's see. Who else am I thinking of? I think those are really great places to get started. Yeah. Um, well, that, I so, think that's a great, that's a great start um, with those books. Are there websites as well, too? 
Yeah. So a good website, I mentioned earlier, if you want to buy dried herbs online, Mountain Rose Herbs, and they have, in addition to selling tinctures and dried herbs, and I think they even sell things like incenses, they sell lots of herb related stuff. They also have a really good blog okay. with good basic information for questions such as these. Okay, I'm gonna have to write a lot of notes for this um show. <laughs> There's a lot of information. Okay, okay. So a lot of information going on for us. Okay. Um so we kind of discussed this a little bit throughout the show. You were throwing names at us and stuff, but I'm gonna like ask you this question so we can kind of like, you know, if everybody's ready with their pen and paper. Because some of us may not have access to places that sell like loose tea or the supermarket just may not have like a wide selection, like a catnip tea. Yeah. Um, are there online stores that you can suggest for the loose teas? If people don't want to do the tea bags, they want to get a loose tea or even the tea bag, but like places that we can expand outside of the Lipton tea. Yeah, totally. So the bigger ones are Mountain Rose Herbs, Star West Botanicals, Frontier Co-op, mm-hmm. um, and then in, you know, and then just in New York, in terms of places where you could go are Flower Power, Sacred Vibes, um, and let's see, Radical Herb Shop, and I think Sacred Vibes, I'm not sure if Flower Power sells online. They might, but I'm pretty sure Sacred Vibes um, uh, sells online. I'm not sure if they sell bulk herbs, but I know she sells tinctures. Um, but yeah, I think for specifically for bulk herbs, Mountain Rose Herbs, Star West Botanicals, or Frontier Co-op. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So now I've been seeing, you know, randomly in different places while crafting. And I'm not sure what it means when I see something say while crafted or while crafting. Like, what is that? That's, yeah. What is wild crafting? Um, that's a hot topic. Everyone's into wild crafting or gathering or buying remedies that are made from wild crafted plants. Um, that is gathering wild plants from the outdoors. Um, and that practice comes with a lot of responsibility and knowledge about what's happening in your landscape and what plants are endangered or at risk. Mm-hmm. So I, in general, um, encourage people to spend a year paying attention to what they want to pick before they pick mm-hmm. it. Um, so that they have an idea of other people who are involved with the plant, other animals, birds, and insects that are involved with the plant. Um, and also to remind people that there are lots of farmers growing medicinal plants that they can buy from. It takes a little bit of time to research on the internet who might be near use um, growing and selling those plants, but you can find them. And um, also to grow in community gardens and to grow at home in place of wild crafting. Um, it's great to be outside with plants, but it can cause a problem if a lot of us are out there just picking um, whenever we feel like it. Okay, so wild crafting is kind of like a wild card. So if we're like 
farm. Yes, it is a wild card. <laughs> so we're like at the farmer's market and they're like, oh, this is wild crafting and sounding like super like, you know, like exclusive. Like, oh, I got this wild crafted item. Um, at the same time, we don't know the history behind it. We don't know, like you said, the soil and the insects and like the all the involvement of it because it's just a wild card where if we were to go to a responsible farm or something like that, we know it's got, we have more of an idea of where that product is coming from. Is that kind yeah. of like, you know, the difference between like what wild crafting is like, it may sound like cool, but then again, like now that you brought it up, it's, you know, you know, we, do we really know all about this situation? Do we know all the Yeah, it really, mm-hmm. totally. It makes, you know, I bought, uh, when I lived in New York, um, there's a farmer that I relied on, John Gorzinski, who brought wild weeds. I'm talking like mugwort and nettle and dandelion and chickweed. Um, (laughs) No worries. (laughs) I know the chickweed that he brought was not native. There are native chickweeds um, in the United States and there are non-native chickweeds in the United States. So these are the things that we have to know in order to pick outside, right? Mm -hmm. And that can take a lot of time to understand. So it's important to go slowly. But the benefit of um, buying from a farmer is that they are managing their land and stewarding their land. And we can ask them lots of questions about how they're doing it. And I generally feel okay if they're selling something like dandelion. Um, Dandelion propagates very easily and is abundant and it's also a weed. So I feel okay picking that, but there are lots of plants that we really shouldn't be picking. And if we're not aware of what those plants are, then, um, it can, it can be dangerous to just be like, I bought this wild crafted American ginseng. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's not great. Unless you know that that person is really. And they're regrowing every year, um, planting and taking care of it. So um, it's important to just have a lot of information when we're making decisions about wild crafting. Oh, okay. I, 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 you schooled me again. You schooled me again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> There's, these are big questions. You, you, uh, you gave us so much, well, at least you gave me, you gave me so much information today. Um, this is definitely a lot to absorb, absorb. And I definitely will have to go over this a few times. Like I'll have to re-listen to this over again. Um, wow. Thank you so much for all of the, this detailed informative information you gave us about herbalism. And I think, you know, we're off to a great start if we haven't started with herbalism already. This is like an amazing, like one-on-one, like get to know herbalism. How do I start to tap into it? um episode and it's all because of you thank you thank you (laughs) no it's because of you thanks for having this wonderful podcast and for being curious and brave and asking questions i love it and we need more herbalists (laughs) so you're really doing a service you need thank you thank you (laughs) yeah so before we end today's show please tell everyone what does becoming unique mean to you Um, I think becoming unique is really a practice of growth and change. Um, It's exciting to see how we can expand what we know and who we are through our connection with other people. Um, 
I've really loved talking to you and being on this journey together of becoming. Oh, thank you. Oh my goodness. I love it. Growth and change and expand what we know. I love it. Ah, because we're always evolving. (laughs) We have to like be active in it. Like, yes, totally. It takes a lot of work and we need each other in order to do it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Okay. So lastly, please tell the audience like everything we need to know about you, your book and how we can get in contact with you and everything. Yeah. So um, I'm a community herbalist and I'm really interested in getting people the practical skills they need to do herbalism in their homes, um, how to cook with common kitchen plants and make remedies from, you know, abundant common weeds. So my website is christinecbuckley.com. And there I post about workshops that I'm giving um, and events where we can connect. Um, And I also have a Patreon called Garden Medicine Club, where I publish zines and videos about paying attention to the natural world. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I need to, I keep hearing, I I listen to podcasts all the time and I keep hearing um, about podcasts talk about, oh, check my Patreon out, check my Patreon out. And I really, I keep saying I'm going to go check and check, but um, now I'm definitely going to check now. um, Because this is like a thing. Yeah, Patreon might be good for you. Like you might want a Patreon page for becoming unique. Oh, okay. I need to go check it out. And it's like sometimes when you're like in the middle of a podcast, you're in motion. And you don't always have a moment to like stop and say, let me go check it out. But when things totally. keep coming, you keep hearing it over and over. Like I, I'm going to have to make the time to like stop and like start checking this out. But I'm going to make the time because I want to see what's going on, <laughs> going on over there. Nice. Um, oh, yeah. And OK, so you got your the Patreon, um, the, your website. And of course, you got your book, Plant Magic. Yeah, and you can get that on my website from my publisher, Roost Books. Um, it's also available in other places on the internet. Okay. Uh, is it available yeah. on Amazon? Yes, it's okay, on Amazon. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for um, being here with us. Oh, my goodness, guys. Like, I know you guys received so much information. There was so much information in this episode. But thank you so much, Christine. I appreciate you. Thanks, you need. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. This was so fun. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Wow. This episode was just so full of information. But don't worry if you didn't write down every single like name and website that Christine was saying. I put all of the names and website references inside the show notes so just go to the show notes and click away oh my goodness I just feel so much richer now that I have this new information and this is just the beginning of learning about herbalism becoming unique podcast I've just been learning so so much from essential oils to the moon to bath rituals just so much information and I'm going to keep going. It's just, it, I have so many new episodes planned for you guys. So if you guys are backed up on episodes, I suggest you catch up so you don't have to catch up because I'm going to keep them coming. <laughs> but anyway, enough because this is actually the longest episode to date for Becoming Unique. But 
Thank you so much for showing up today. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.